Welcome to the Christian Marauder as we continue in our study in the book of Revelation as we explore the Revelation 21 code. With that, have you noticed that life is filled with hardship that no human effort can fix? No amount of cancel culture, wokeness, social justice, no utopian ideas will fix that. This all makes things just worse. Someday all this junk is going to end. There's going to be no more world elites turning us into their slaves. No more Klaus Schwabs. No more UN. No more world government summits. No more world government ideas. No more gaslighting people. No more propaganda. No more corrupt agenda-driven news media trying to take over the world with crazy ideas. No more Chinese Communist Party. No more Marxists. No more leading astray. No more rebellion to destroy all that is decent and good. All that one day is going to end. It's all over. It's all over when God restores all things back to his original design after we learn what sin is truly like. A world without God or hope in the world is not a good idea with human effort screwing everything up. We need to get back to Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, one day there will be a new heavens and a new earth. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death. It's all gone, just as Revelations chapter 21 points out. And today we're going to look at Revelations chapter 21 in the traditional sense, as well as uncover a code in it. And I'll talk about that in just a little bit as we continue. So with that, let's just jump right into Revelations chapter 21, verse 1, and see how all this goes, okay? It says, in Revelations chapter 21, verse 1 says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Like I said, folks, in the last few chapters, we learned that evil has been done away with, okay? And now a new heavens and earth. We're going to look at what this new heaven and earth is like. And for one thing, it says there's going to be no more sea. What? I can hear people, who, ocean lovers out there, people who love the sea and swimming, going, what? No sea? There's no oceans in the new heavens and earth? Well, for starters, there are several interpretations as what is meant by no more sea in the text. We're going to talk about that right now. According to ancient Hebrew tradition, the sea represented chaos, foreboding, storms. Being caught in the middle of the sea, for example, a storm comes out of nowhere and sinks the ship and everybody drowns. It's chaotic. Or the sea could be very calm and peaceful and you arrive at your destination. Just how in both the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, the beast rises out of the sea and the seas in the book of Revelation talks about being nations. Our seas can refer to the very oceans themselves in Bible terminology. In some cases, the sea can refer to, to certain fallen watchers, the titans of old, like Yam of the Canaanite pantheon. So when the Bible here says there is no more sea, this may refer to the chaos principalities, their minions, as well as hostile nations that are under their spell being no more. It could also mean no oceans. But I like to think it represents the chaos principalities and the demonic hordes. But the fact is, I'm tempted to say I really am not sure. I don't think anybody knows for sure. And scholars can't agree either. But I lean toward um, the seas being the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and hosts of wickedness and heavenly places and the 
and the nations they control are no more. Okay, that's what I think. With, so with that, let's keep on trucking to verse 2 of Revelation chapter 21. And it says, out, out of the New King James, Then I, John, saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So let me go back to the ancient marriage custom of the day, where there was a dowry paid or a bride price paid and an arranged marriage, so forth, etc. And the gal agrees to go with this guy and they agree to get married and all this stuff and all the benefits are transacted and worked out. And so the bride has to spend time getting herself ready for the wedding. And so the the groom has to go out and prepare a place for him and his bride to live and he usually built on the side of his father's house or somewhere near his father's house or someplace else if he didn't have a father and they, he would build a home for his bride when that was ready he would come in unannounced and whisk off his bride and then they go to the wedding feast the door is shut and they're married so forth etc that was the ancient custom there well jesus paid our price in full amen let's continue here so with that revelations 21 verse 3 says this and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. That's out of the New King James. So, folks, this is not politically correct. So, if, if you're a politically correct person, put your fingers in your ears and go, na, 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 for a second. So, this is not a popular thing in the PC culture. But a bride is called a helper. And we will be God's helpers, helping him manage his new creation. That is why we are called the Bride of Christ. How cool is that? He prepared for us a city that is adorned as a bride. And we will be in that adornment, like a bride, we'll be helping the Lord take care of and manage his new heavens and earth. Just think of that for a second. And that is going to be a very glorious place. All things new, all the pain, all the anguish we've all gone through is erased. And that is brought out in Revelation 21 verses 4 and 5 where it says, out of the New King James, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Verse 5, then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Folks, Jesus himself said he is going to prepare a place for his people. This sure, true, and faithful word. When God speaks something, he will carry it out. Folks, just think of this. All the pain in life we all endure finally ends. Evil is judged and it is no more. And we return to what we were designed to be in the original estate of God's creation, to reflect the image and likeness of God's character traits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, righteousness, truth, grace, to exercise and govern and manage the new heaven and earth, okay, to help the Lord manage that. That's what it means by the image and likeness of God. Not an exact duplicate. You're not another God at all. At all. That is heresy. We are helpers helping him to govern his new heavens and earth 
with goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, righteousness, truth, grace. Exercise that kind of dominion. Wouldn't that be cool? Instead of the way we've been doing it, build back better by burning down everything and destroying people's lives. Wow, that's, that, that, mm, that's trash. So folks, if you've been following me, we enter into what I've been calling the final jubilee, the final 50th jubilee that's symbolized here, where the land returns back to its original owner and the earth comes back to us who are made purified by the blood of Jesus, by everything he done, not by any of our works of righteousness. Amen. So with that, let's continue on and look at Revelation 21 verse 7. The Lord says, I'll be his God and and he will be my son. And Romans chapter 8, verse 28 is confirmed. We were predestined to be conformed into his image and likeness. How do you like that? We can now dwell in the full manifest glory of God, understanding him and his ways that are all good. We will be assisting God, like I said, in maintaining the new heavens and earth. Look at verse 6 of Revelation 21, New King James. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I'll give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. This is a powerful verse if you want to unpack it here with me for a second. The phrase, I am the Alpha and Omega, is used four times in the book of Revelation, and its Old Testament counterpart, in the Hebrew counterpart, refers to God as the first and the last. That is mentioned three times only in Isaiah. Okay, this leaves it a total of seven times. It's interesting since that the number seven means be perfect and whole and sound. So God's perfection has finally arrived. Amen and amen, amen. The beginning and the end. Hallelujah. He gets it how it began. He puts it back, makes it all right in the end. How you like that? Verse seven out of the New King James reads, he who overcome shall inherit all things, and I'll be his God, and he shall be my son. Well, folks, the book of Ephesians tells us we are sons by adoption. It's an ancient custom when you adopted somebody, especially in the Roman period, that they actually become your own son. Okay, you're considered a firstborn son in some cases. They get all the rights of that. Okay, that's the idea. And so when God says, you'll be my adopted sons and daughters... Wow, we get to participate and help him maintain his inheritance, Jesus' inheritance, a new heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Just think about all that for a second. The next phrase that we need to look at in that verse is, he who overcomes. So what does that mean? It means overcoming all of life's hardships and all the terror caused by the tyranny of evil that is about to face many of us in these last days. Just as Paul mentions that the hardships and persecutions we endure are light compared to the glory to come after all vile things have been removed once and for all. This lines up with the context of verse 8 from the New King James that says this, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Well, what does it mean by the second death? Well, the second death was prophesied, I bet you didn't know this, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, where God warned Adam not to eat of the tree of knowledge 
For if you eat of the tree of knowledge, you will surely die. Well, the word surely is the same word, die. So what God's saying, if you eat of this tree, you will die, die. You will die death. You will be, there's two deaths mentioned. Just want to put that there so you can just think about that the word die since it's mentioned twice in genesis 2 17 comes from a form of hebrew grammar that puts the same words together to express strong emphasis it is like a whole mess of exclamation marks and next prophetically it mentions two deaths so there are going to be two deaths as well with and a redemption between the two deaths that's all prophesied there folks just think about it. The first death is this. We will all die. That's just a fact. Fact of life. We are mortal. We will all die. Our years average 70 to 120 years. Our mortal life dies due to the penalty of sin. The second death is not for those who trust in Jesus because we are born again. The second death is only for the unsaved. The second death involves what is known as the lake of fire. As we saw in the last chapter, chapter 20, death and hell are cast into it. The fallen watchers are too. And Satan has been finally cast in it as well. Forever. Never allowed to get out. And people say, man, that sounds horrible. Well, it is horrible, but it's fair. Why? Because of all the damage done by the cowardly, unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, adulterers, and liars. Have you been hurt by any of these people? I've been hurt by politicians. Nancy Pelosi is not your friend. You know, liars, liars, liars. You know, if they don't repent, that's where they're going. So with that, let me say this. Jesus paid it all to spare folks from the second death, okay? But these people reject all God's overtures to return back to the protective boundaries of God's love and stop all the pain in life. Instead, what happens, what these people do is they blame God for their own and other people's cruel acts, failing to see that they put Jesus on the cross, proven by how they treat friends, family, themselves. Jesus was betrayed. He was abandoned. He was neglected in the Garden of uh, Gethsemane. He was put on trial. Who have you put on trial? in your mind and judged wrongly as uh, not woke enough or some crazy thing like that or not Marxist enough or, you know, hmm, just think, Jesus had his garments stolen off his back. Who have you stolen from in your political ideologies and stuff like that? So don't tell me that you're so innocent and sweet. Who have you laid a burden on, on somebody they could not bear. They put a cross on Jesus' back that he could not bear, and he dropped it and had somebody else pick it up. So who have you made carry your burdens? Who have you lied about? Who have you manipulated? Who have you beat with your words? So how many of you demand God to perform in some manner or in some way, and only then you will believe? Just like Herod did when they drug Jesus over to to Herod's temple because Herod wanted to see if Jesus would perform for him. Have you done that? You think you're so squeaky clean? How about going and relying on government officials to cancel you out? Cancel your rights away. Have you ever been canceled? So folks with that, no one is innocent. We're all guilty of this. And if you accept Jesus Christ, 
he forgives you because he paid the sin debt. He took the wrath of God in our place. He paid the sin debt in full. So we do not have to go to the second death or the current hell. Well, the second death is about the finality of wickedness, rebellion, and all iniquity. And God plans to make all things new. With that, what side of the fence do you stand? Pride or just, Lord, have mercy and save me. I'm a wretch. I have lied, betrayed, abandoned, hurt people. Why don't you just ask forgiveness? He makes it simple, but your pride goes, oh, no, I can't accept God. That's just too mean. He should allow everybody into heaven and escape the lake of fire. Oh, I don't believe that. Uh, I'll do it on my own. I got my bootstraps. Really? You're going to die one day, physical mortal death, and stand before the Lord God Almighty. You think your pride is going to get you into heaven? I doubt it. Look at Revelation chapter 21, verses 9 through 12. It speaks about the new Jerusalem. Well, most folks breeze through these verses and just speak of the profound beauty of the new Jerusalem, the heaven, and how, what it looks like. And they breeze through it really quick, probably because after going through 20 verses of Revelation, they are tired and just want to get to the end of the book. Okay, So they skip over stuff. And this is where the code is found in Revelations 21. That will probably, might, maybe amaze you, maybe not. Maybe it will mean something to you. So with that, we'll find out in just a few seconds here. Let me tell you again, there are great truths that are found in these verses. For example, Bible prophecy uses imagery and symbols and even numbers and their established meanings and uses those in the Bible prophecy. Daniel understood this. Other prophets use the imagery because God gave them the imagery. You know, Israel like a fig tree. You know, so we have the imagery. We understand that. But why don't we apply that imagery in the study of the book of Revelation? We're supposed to. The Bible tells us to have wisdom and check out this book and be of understanding. So let's unpack this and find out what it means. In Revelation 21, it's filled with all this rich imagery. And few, like I said, dare to explore these. And we are going to do that and look at the beginning of a code that is found in Revelations 21, consisting of the imagery, the symbols, and the number meanings. Let's begin. In verses 9 through 27, we see repeating numbers, and these numbers repeat. We see number 7 repeated three times. We see the number 12 repeated ten times. You add these same numbers together, and you find sums, and these sums have numeric meanings, and these meanings are directly related to the text. So people ask, how do you know what you're doing is right? So let me give you this disclaimer. This is new stuff. And over time, over centuries, people have explored Bible numbers, stuck with the biblical meaning of numbers, derived from the Bible and from the context of the Bible where the numbers are found in. Others are established meanings that are consistent. There's shades and variations of meanings, and you can pretty well put together about the first 2,000, 3,000 meaning uh, of, of words together and, and get a pretty good ballpark. And there's several good websites. I post them in the information page for you to look at. They're not definitive, and you have to know what you're doing to unpack these things. But the least these people get it in the ballpark. 
because they're consistent. I searched this out for years, found what is consistent, kept what is consistent, and then I was amazed at what I was uncovering. And I'm going to show you some of that today. You also, in Revelation chapter 21, you see the mention of gemstones, and each have biblical meanings and symbols which applied might just describe, when I say might, just might describe the character traits of those who will live inside of the new Jerusalem, okay, that God's looking for in his people. Would you like to know that? So with that, we're going to take a peek and look at all these things, the number of meanings, the symbols that are seen in here, the gemstones. We're going to see what the gates mean. So let's begin in verse 9 of Revelation 21, how the new King James. And then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, and I'll show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. Recall that numbers have meaning, and add these three sevens together in a sequence, and you interpret it by the context, and it points out the God's intent for releasing the bowls of wrath. The purpose, okay? So you put 7 plus 7 equals 14, and 14 plus 7 is 21, and so you have three sums. You have number 7, which is the root number, 14 and 21. So you apply the definitions of these numbers according to the context, and, and it just might as just uncover, just help you understand why God issues his wrath, those bowls of wrath we saw earlier in the book of Revelation. And so, folks, I am going to go very fast, and I'm going to avoid lengthy explanations about Bible numbers. I've spoke about that in my series, Biblical Numbers, and uh, I have some other things I'm planning to do on Biblical Numbers to help you understand this. But for the sake of time, I have to go really quick. The only thing I'm going to do is give you the bottom line meanings and the interpretation by following certain rules where you add the same numbers together. I call it the same number algorithm. You have three sevens, you add that, you stop. You have 10 twelves mentioned in the following thing, you add those together in sequence, and they contain a message that, that gives insight into what is being said. It lines up with the scripture, lines up with the passages 100%. It lines up with the Bible 100%, and they all point to Jesus. Amazing, isn't it? So we're going to put these three numbers together, 7, 14, and 21, and put their definitions in here. I'm doing it really quick. Into what I call paragraph 1, we're going to break this down to, into about five paragraphs. Okay, just follow me here. So paragraph 1 starts out, the reason why the bowls of wrath were poured out. So with that, I need to just step back. The picture graph of, of the Hebrew letter number seven is the picture of a plow. Everyone thinks it means perfection, but it means to plow toward perfection, wholeness, and soundness. It means to tend and keep what you are growing in the garden there, okay? And, you know, pulling the weeds and tending and making sure it's well watered and also all kinds of things. In other words, you rest and you'll work and you'll rest and you'll work. Just, just think of that right now. So this is what it means. God plows all things together so his perfection, 14, salvation and deliverance, that's what 14 means, from lawlessness, sin and iniquity, that's what number 21 means, is complete. So let's put it together again. That's number seven. God plows all things together so it's perfection, 14, salvation, deliverance, from lawlessness, sin and iniquity is complete. Isn't that what the book of Revelation reveals? 
Just think about that. That's God is going to restore all things by getting rid of evil. Okay, that's what it's saying. Let's look at Revelations 21 verses 10 and 11. And it says this, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Verse 12. And also she had a great high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gate and names written on them which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. That is very self-explanatory. You have twelve gates. There'll be twelve angels at each gate and names written on them which are the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay. The number twelve is first mentioned three times. You got to add these in sequence and apply the numeric meaning and it gives you some information about what is all this is about so let's unpack this here you have 12 plus 12 equals 24 24 plus 12 equals 36 you have the three sums the root sum of 12 24 and 36 now you got to apply the meanings and you form paragraph 2 you're going to connect paragraph 1 with paragraph 2 well, just, just keep tracking with me here. Paragraph 2 would read, uh, 12 means representative leadership. 24 means a divine council or divine heavenly government. That's what it means, a priest and kings. 36 means warriors that overcome in battle and receive their rewards. That's the idea of number 36 and its meaning. It's a shades of meaning there. So let's put this paragraph together. It means representative leadership in the divine council of heavenly government overcame and battled with evil and these warriors will receive a reward next the word gate is mentioned and gates refer to the 12 tribes of israel this goes back to the 144,000 and the two witnesses mentioned earlier in the book of revelation because you got to stick with the context of the book it's found in two that's a rule and these individuals, as we discovered in our study of the book of Revelation, are those who overcame during the tribulation period. They won souls. They overcame in battle with evil. And they end up getting their reward. And we saw that none of these 144,000 will be hurt. The two witnesses will be put to death and rose again. Okay? Okay? Another thing about gates is these traditionally were places for judgment, these were the places where the decrees of the of the Lord were read, where messengers were sent forth to do tasks, and also to oversee who comes inside the city, as well as provide directions to strangers of where to go in the city. That's the idea of the ancient idea of gates. Keep that in mind. Keep tracking with me. Next, Israel. Know this. Israel was to be the light to the world. They were to be the gatekeepers, if you will, for example, who reveal the name of the Lord to all so all can enter into God's kingdom. I'm giving you a synopsis here. It's in the Bible. Trust me, it is. Just as God himself mentioned, because he mentioned that was the role of Israel to declare his name, his character traits of living by love, joy, peace. That was the idea here. But the ancient Israelites failed in this task. But the 144,000 carry it out in the tribulation period, fulfilling God's original plan for all Israel, 
then there is a lot more in verse 13 as it says out of the new king james three gates on the east three gates on the north three gates on the south and three gates on the west you add those numbers up they all equal 12 okay just keep tracking with me notice the three is mentioned four times so we add these sequentially to the last sum 36 to derive the sums for the next set of numbers for the next paragraph i want to plug into here and you find the numbers of uh, 39 42 45 and 48 so we find the four sums like I said, 39, 42, 45, and 48 by adding threes together four times. These provide meanings to work with. For example, 39 means diseases, infirmities that lead to ruin and death, that robs by causing them to surrender one's authority over to another. That's what the shades of meaning of that, that means. Number 42 means the beast or Baal or anti-God or anti-Christ spirit who produces many evil servants that oppress. 45 means barely survived, yet one's life and legacy is preserved. And 48 means a father's blessing from his dwelling place. Recall that the 144,000 and the two witnesses during the tribulation period are those who do exploits just as Daniel in the book of Joel mentions to overcome evil. They're warriors. They are warriors. And when you add sequentially each of the numbers together, this might shed some light on what they actually overcame. So let's put this together with paragraph one we have. Paragraph one reads, this representative leadership of the divine heavenly council who overcame in battle with evil, these warriors receive their reward. Paragraph two, for overcoming ruin, death of the beast, Baal, anti-God spirit, anti-Christ spirit, and as many evil servants sent to oppress. These are those who barely survived, but their life and legacy is preserved, and thus they receive the Father's blessings from his dwelling place. How cool is that? Folks, all this is in line with what the Bible says about the 144,000. They barely survive. Jesus comes. Israel looks at the one whom they pierced, just like Zechariah chapter 12 says. These folks, along with those martyred during the tribulation, are going to receive their reward, which might be as judges at each of the twelve gates. Let's continue. Verse 14 of Revelations 21, New King James. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of twelve apostles of the Lamb. And I think we know who the twelve apostles are. And we understand something about foundations, if you know anything about the Bible. If you don't, just keep tracking with me. From the last sum, you got to add these 12s together. From the last sum, 48, you add these two 12s together. So 48 plus 12 equals 60, and 60 plus 12 is 72. So you have the sum 60 and 72 to work with to find the next paragraph meaning. Okay, so let me tell you. 60 is a Hebrew letter pictograph, and it has a numeric meaning and a pictograph meaning is a letter shamech, shamech, which is a picture of a hand on a staff, and its meaning simply is this. It pictures what a person relies, supports, or leans on the most. Is it God, or is it the devil, is it the world, the flesh, himself, conceit, worldly inventions? Also in the meaning of the number 60 is being humbled by God. So you have two meanings in there. Note this, 12 foundations. And 12 apostles 
Guess what the apostles do? They build upon the chief cornerstone, Jesus, to build up a uh, lively foundation. Just as the apostle Peter says that we are living stones being built up together for Christ. Okay? So note this, the 12 foundations, the 12 apostles here, who built upon the chief cornerstone, Jesus. So his church humbly learns to lean and rely totally upon Jesus for all things. This is a good synopsis of all the apostle teachings. To learn to lean and rely on Jesus Christ totally. And learn how to be his reflection of love, joy, peace, goodness, righteousness, holiness, so forth, etc. on earth to other people. So let's look at number 72. Number 72 has several shades of meaning such as messengers, evangelists, and to cure and bring health and stop moral sickness on earth. Or it can also mean people on earth experiencing health, sickness, or ill will from the world system. Okay, there's two meanings there. So meaning one, definition one is the one that applies here with the context. With that, let's combine the definitions we have and with paragraphs one and two, put paragraph three here together in that. So let me read these three paragraphs together so you'll get a picture that's forming here. Representative leadership of the divine heavenly government consists of those who overcame in battle with evil. These warriors receive their reward for overcoming ruin, death of the beast or the Baal Antichrist spirit, along with his many servants sent to oppress. These are those who barely survive, but their life and legacy is preserved, and thus they receive the Father's blessing from his dwelling place. The third paragraph, number 60, for these are those that learn to rely on Jesus for all things, leaning upon him. These are his messengers, evangelists, sent to cure, bring health, to stop moral sickness on earth. Please note that most preeminent Bible scholars agree that the 144 are Jewish evangelists for Jesus, and number meanings oddly suggest the same thing. People who are sent cure, bring health, stop moral sickness on earth during the tribulation period. In other words, they are presenting the gospel. That's the gospel task. So I got to ask you, how cool is that? So let's look at verse 15 of Revelation 21. And he who talked with me had a gold ring to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. All of a sudden, the subject changes. The new subject matter here begins. And the number 12 we'll pick up later. This is where we're going to look at the meaning of the gemstones and what they imply and what they might be suggesting. I'm saying might suggest here, so just understand that. Verse 16, the city was laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. He measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. So we have a new number to translate, the number 12,000. So the question comes is, how do you derive the meaning of 12,000? Well, the answer is simply by the prime factor method, doing a prime factor tree, putting it all together to get the numbers you need to interpret what the number means. Clear as mud, right? Keep tracking with me. Let me give you this disclaimer before I continue. This might be how to figure out large numeric meanings by doing the prime factor. And so far, when I do it correctly, it appears to work. Okay, other people are finding this out as well. So this is a new field of study about understanding Bible numbers and how they plug into Bible prophecy. Okay, this is a new field. So take it with a grain of salt. 
I'm only presenting this as a hypothesis and not as a statement of fact. The findings themselves are startling and speak volumes. So with that, let's look at the uh, prime factor of 12,000. Looks like, well, the prime factor tree looks like this. 3 times 32 times 125. So you multiply those numbers together. So you have 3, 32, and 125. And these numbers mean the following. 3 means moving into unity with something. 32 means covenant fellowship with God. And 125 means multitudes of legions of holy angels and messengers. And the context concerns the measurement of the new Jerusalem. Thus, the meaning of 12,000 might be referring to those who live inside of it. So those inside of it have moved into unity with covenant fellowship with God and all the multitudes and legions of his holy angels. Okay, so folks, is that cool or not? You might not think this means anything, but I find it fascinating. Just wait till you put all this together here. Look at Revelation 21, verse 17. And he measured its wall 144 cubits, according to the measure of man, that is an angel. Now, a lot of people debate, is that the size of an angel, 144 cubits? Most likely, I don't know. I'm just saying, mm, I just don't want to go and talk about how tall angels are, or what their size are, and get involved in all that. Well, I just want to stick with the, the number meanings here and just stick with the subject matter. So 144, what does that mean? 144 means government of all power, headed by a lord or ruler, or even God himself. Just the context explains it. It's the government of all power, headed by a lord. You have a bunch of helpers. You have a bunch of people who assist. The lord sits at his throne, decrees something, and, the, and he sends and assigns people the task to carry those things out. That is the idea, the government of all power, headed by God himself in this context. So put this together with the meaning of 12,000, and you come with this. You put these two meanings together. Thus, those living in the new Jerusalem are those who are united by a covenant fellowship with God and his multitudes of legions of holy angels under the government of all power ruled by Jesus, because that's the context. Next, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 18, it starts talking about the construction of the wall and, and the gemstones that are in the wall. And it says this, the construction of the wall is, was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. Well, pure gold symbolizes the presence of God. It symbolizes holy worship. It symbolizes purity. It also symbolizes something of great value. Okay, that's what pure gold means. Keep tracking with me. Let's look at verses 19 and 20. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amorous. I hope I said all those those words right. I do the best I can with the speech impediment. So if I said it wrong, you can correct me later. Well, biblical gemstones actually have meanings. And they have symbols too. And these reveal some information that you might find interesting about or who will live inside the New Jerusalem. And let's, let's, let's unpack this code. With that, let's look at the biblical meanings of each of the gemstones, something people rarely do in this study because they're in a hurry to get done here studying this book. The first is Jasper. Jasper represents true faith 
and faithfulness. So those who have true faith and are faithfully devoted to the Lord are on, are on the first foundation. In other words, almost like your reward in heaven, where are you going to be positioned in heaven? So the first foundation are those people who live by true faith and faithfulness and devotion toward God. The second is sapphire. And sapphire symbolizes those who wait with sure hope, whose life and ways God is well pleased. Sapphire signifies those whose minds are on heavenly things, who despise all worldly matters, and live as strangers and pilgrims. They're wholly devoted to God, and they let their light so shine. Because sapphire in the sunlight makes a glow, okay? So I got a question. Is that you? So are you like Jasper, living by true faith and faithfulness to God? The third is Chalcedony. Chalcedony means those who serve God in secret with true loyalty and inner charity. In other words, they're not showing off. They do their works in secret, okay? They're faithful to God's will without thought of reward. Jesus says when you pray, in, don't pray in the streets. When you give a charitable deed, do it in secret. These are these type of people. They don't do it to make a show or brag about what they give. And well, how much they got back or anything like that. They have no thought of reward. This gemstone also resists all efforts to sculpt it. Now you can polish it, but you can't sculpt it. You can't shape it. You can't reform it. So these folks refuse to be canceled or shaped by the world. So I'm going to ask you, does that sound like you? Welcome to heaven. Number four is emerald, which means godliness, steadfastness, it means those who are not double-minded. What does double-minded mean? Double-minded doesn't mean you can't make a decision sometimes. We're all like that. Double-minded means, let me simplify it. It means modernize it for you. To be double-minded means to be two-faced. So an emerald, which is, represents those who are steadfast, who exercise godliness, those who are not two-faced, who produce goodness and healthy growth on earth to those around them. That describes you. Sardonyx symbolizes humility and the suffering of believers. It signifies martyrs shedding their blood for Christ, whose death testifies against the wickedness of man and the fallen watchers and the demons of hell. That's what Sardonyx represents. Are you one of those type of people who suffered and martyred? Think about it. Six is the Sardis stone, and the Sardis stone is often blood red, so it symbolizes the blood atonement. Sardis comes in different colors, too, brown as well, but it's usually blood red stone, and it talks about the blood atonement, talks about redemption, that's what it means. So these are the men and women who come to Jesus Christ without one plea, as the old song says, they're born again, and I got to ask you, is that you? How easy is it, is it to get into the new Jerusalem? Trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Number seven is the chrysolite. Chrysolite. It means and symbolizes spiritual preaching in order to impart wisdom and charity to others. Are you one of those type of people? The eighth is burl, and burl symbolizes those who pray, who exercise perfecting strategies of prayer and spiritual warfare as well as those who have understanding that help unlock the meaning of biblical prophecy. So that does that fit you? Are you a prayer warrior? Are you an intercessor? Do you like Bible prophecy? Welcome to the club. 
these folks are your, your prayer warriors, like I said, your intercessors, those who discern the times. That's that type of person. The ninth is topaz, and it symbolizes loving God with their whole heart, strength, mind, and soul, and their neighbor as themselves. They love with their whole being. That is the type of person who is rewarded in the New Jerusalem. They are the topaz. The tenth is Chrysophrase, if I'm saying that right. It signifies righteous saints who endured hardship, suffering, and labor hard for the Lord on earth, not for rewards or glory, but for the love of God, united, totally, and dedicated to His will. If God says, do this, you go do it. We call these missionaries. We call these folks soul winners. We call these people who preach. We sometimes call them evangelists. Sometimes we call them people who suddenly God says, you do this. Uh, uh, and, and you go, that doesn't make sense. I'm supposed to give them $100 and you want to walk away and, you, and, and you're fighting and struggling. All of a sudden you give in. And you go, oh, i got to come to you. I don't know why this, but God told me to give you this. And the person breaks down and, and oh, my God, my rent wasn't due. Oh, all I needed was $100. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then you preach the gospel to them. That is that type of person. Hallelujah. Is that you? The 11th is ja Jason, or Jackathin, if I'm pronouncing that right. And it symbolizes those who teach wisdom and discernment to the immature. In other words, these are people who make disciples. <laughs> Does that fit you? The 12th is Amorist. Uh, the Amorist symbolizes the constant thought and focus on heavenly kingdom. That's the whole idea. It's those people whose thoughts and focus is that this world is not my home i'm just a passing through and you convey that to other people effectively okay and that is your mindset so you put all these meanings together and it appears to point out that those who live within the city and also possibly relating to the rewards of one's position in heaven is all wrapped up in here i'm saying possibly here so let's put it all together and it reads those inside the wall of the new city are those with true faith that never wither away, the ones who stay true to faith alone as the foundation of God's church, those who lived life in full, sure hope, and those whose faithfulness is proven by resisting those seeking to sculpture faith into something else. In the city are also those who are loyal, living according to godliness, and changed by God's grace. Those who are humbled, who show humble zeal for God that cost many their lives. These are the martyrs for sharing the revelation of God that they that God gave them. So who else is inside the New Jerusalem? Are men and women who come to Christ based on the blood sacrifice of Jesus alone and not by their works. And those who exercise wisdom, charity, godly moral virtue. Those who love God and their fellow men. Those who exercise righteous discernment in life. And those who live a life of prayer and intercession. I want to tell you something. The new heavens and earth are going to be filled with people that won't stab you in the back. How would you like to live there? I think I would. Sounds pretty good to me. I'm ready to go. Are you? <laughs> oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. No wonder that passage is in the end of the book of Revelation. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Take us out of this nut house called the world. Let's continue. In verse 21, we come back to the 12 gates and the 12 pearls. So we come back to the number 12. So we have we set aside those meanings and we come back and start adding the 12s together because you add the same numbers in sequence it's got the same numbers algorithm 
by a general rule that I discovered. So Revelation 21, 21 says, uh, the 12 gates were, the, were 12 pearls, and each individual gate was one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. There's a lot here to unpack, and I, I'm just going to keep going, and we're going to unpack it. So recall, you add like numbers together to see if there's anything to their meaning, which is the sequence of 12 seen uh, that is left off in verse 14 whose last sum was 72. So we add these two 12s here, seen in verses 20 and 21, together. Okay, so what you have is 72 plus 12 is 84, and 84 plus 12 is 96, and you have 96 plus 12 is 108, because you have the 12, 12th gate. So you have a 12 there called the 12th gate. So you have 84, 96, and 108 to work with in order to find the fourth paragraph. So 84 means those who are purified from weakness and uncleanness. Those who enter into the courts of the Lord must be pure. That's what the word means. 96 means spoils of victory that is dispensed. Our new songs, our victory songs that are being sung and rewards are given. That's what the idea of number 96 means. So let's look at the meaning. Okay, let's look at the paragraph meaning. Okay, and, it, and the fourth paragraph means this. All that enter are number 84, purified from weakness and uncleanness. Number 96, where the spoils or victory are dispensed and new songs are sung. Folks, this lines up with Revelations chapter 5, verse 9, Revelations 14, verse 3. So 5, 9 says this, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people and nation. Hallelujah. Revelation 14.3 says, They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and of the elders. And no one could learn that song except 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Folks, there's going to be a lot of singing in heaven. So why in the world are people going to be singing in heaven? I know somebody would like to ask that. Revelation 21, verses 22 and 23 says it like this out of the New King James. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Verse 23, And the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated. The Lamb is its light. Why are people going to be singing and praise to God? Why? It's because we are going to see him as he is because by the work of cross we can enter into the new heavens and earth and bask in the full manifest presence of God just like it was in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Moses was not allowed to see the full manifested presence of God. He asked for it in Exodus, I think it's chapter, chapter, Exodus chapter 33, I think. And God says, no, basically, if you see me, see me in my full manifest presence, you will die. Your mortal flesh is going to die. And so, however, but as redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, as his adopted children, we can see the full manifest presence of God in the new heavens and earth. The next verse mentions those entering into the city, entered as saved and purified, which aligns to the numeric meaning of 84. With that, let's add all these paragraphs together to this fifth paragraph and look what it's telling us. Represented leadership of the divine heavenly government consists of those who overcame in battle with evil. These warriors will receive their reward for overcoming ruin, death, and the beast, Baal, anti-God spirit, and as many evil servants that are sent out to oppress. These are those who barely survived, but their life legacy is preserved, and thus they receive the Father's blessing from his dwelling place. 
for leaning and relying upon him for all things. These are his messengers, evangelists, sent to cure, bring health, and to stop moral sickness on earth, purified from weakness and uncleanness. Those who will enter into the courts of the Lord will enter as pure, and they will bring the spoils of victory, singing victory songs, and singing more praises to God, because they see him as he is. So let's look at Revelation 21, verses 24 and 25, and how it lines up with that. And the nations, the ethnos, or the races, of those who are saved will walk in its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor into it. Verse 25, its gates shall not shut at all by day, and there shall be no more night there. Verse 26, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. The gates not shut might simply indicate that true loving justice and mercy now is the rule of the land. There is no sin, sickness, or death. Nobody's stabbing each other in the back. Nobody's looking at an angle to get ahead. Amen. 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 There's no cloud swabs there. Hallelujah. No world elites. Hallelujah. Unless they repent and they've been purified by the blood of the Lamb. Other than that, these, these people will be swimming lakes of fire. That's where they're headed. So there's another 12 to add to the 96. Because there's three 12s. One is that 12th in the, that refers to the 12th gate. That's how we get the number 108. So you add 12 to 96. 96 plus 12 is 108. 108 means either protecting the shameful lust of the pagan world, the house of rich oppressors, or keeping the commands of Yahweh. There's two meanings there. It's an either-or meaning. And it applies to the context, and both meanings apply here. So now look at verse 27, which pinpoints the correct shade of meaning. It refers to those who kept and protect the shameful lust of the pagans and protected the house of rich oppressors. Look at verse 27, how it lines up with the numeric meaning of this code I found. Verse 27 says, But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. That word abomination pinpoints this. The definition is the shameful lust of the pagans and the rich oppressors. With that, folks, let's continue to chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. So we can connect the last 12 that's mentioned, which refers to the tree of life. Okay. Revelation 22, verse 1 and 2. I'm only going to touch these verses and go back. And then I'm going to read all the algorithm, all the meanings and definitions together and see how it fits. Okay. At the end of this, we're almost done, folks. Hold on to your seat. So Revelation 22, verse 1 says this. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, there was a tree of life which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Okay, now this is going to help unpack uh, what the twelve fruits and the healing of the nations is about. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week as we get into chapter 22. But right now, I'm just going to put the last 12 here from the last sum 108 we add 108 to 12 for this last 12 years 120 and this might help uh, uncover what the healing of the nations all about what these leaves do what the, what the purpose is 120 means a divine period of probation waiting for a man of peace that's one of the meanings 
It's also period of probation of life, waiting for a man of peace, of harmony and accord to appear, who will be a king, a priest, as well as some type of ruler or governors or satraps. There's some different shades of meaning in here, and I'm trying to do this really quickly here, but basically it means divine life period that God ordained. 120 years is the length of man. It's a probationary period, waiting for a man of peace and harmony to appear, who will be a king, who will set rulers and governors to help him manage his kingdom. That's what kind of what that all means. So let's plug it in to find the sixth paragraph and plug it all in together. Listen to what it says. Paragraph 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 all together. I'm just going to read it. The representative leadership of the divine heavenly council of government consists of those who overcame in battle with evil. These warriors are going to receive a reward for overcoming ruin, death of the beast, the Baal, the Antichrist, God's spirit, and as many evil servants sent to oppress. These are those who barely survive, but their life and legacy is preserved, and thus they receive the Father's blessings from his dwelling place, for leaning and relying upon him for all things. These are his messengers sent to cure, bring health, to stop moral sickness on earth, purified from weakness and uncleanness. Those who will enter into the courts of the Lord will enter as pure. They will bring the spoils of victory, singing victory songs and more songs, praising God for all that he is. All those that kept and protected the shameful lust of the pagans in the house of rich oppressors will be no more. The sixth paragraph. The divine period of probation is over. King Jesus rules. Healing to the nations begins. And the context of verse 2 and how, as explained in verse 3, in Revelations chapter 22, verse 3 says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants will serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. So the divine probation period is over. King Jesus is ruling, and the healing of the nations have begun. So, in other words, the healing of the nations involves that there's going to be no more corrupting influence again. God makes all things new. And that's the type of healing that I believe, if I'm interpreting this right, is what is being mentioned here. Again, this is a hypothesis. So let's put the meaning of it for 12,000 and 144,000. And this stands out, okay? Thus, those living in the New Jerusalem are those who are united by a covenant fellowship with God and his multitudes, legions of holy angels, messengers, under the government of all power ruled by Jesus. Amen. With that, we are done for today. I hope you learned something about this unique code found in Revelations chapter 21. It is um, amazing how it connects directly to the text and to other parts of the book of Revelation and to other scriptures as well throughout the Bible and ties it all together as a focal point here, pointing that Jesus Christ is going to rule the nations. Again, it points to the government of all power is going to be governed by Jesus. <laughs> Everything points right back to Jesus. Hallelujah. So you know you might be on the right track when you come up with that conclusion. So folks, with that, we are going to end. And with that, you can just look on the 
uh, screen and you can see my contact information and how to contact and support me and any support you can will be greatly appreciated also if you're listening on the daily renegade be sure to become a member of the daily renegade because of the times we are living in today they are canceling a lot of people out and so i'm putting a lot of my videos here and so there can still be seen on youtube or we have a record of them and maybe josh can put them out somehow and people can still see these we're looking at alternative platforms as well for the times are short with that you all be blessed in jesus name and welcome to the new jerusalem if you are born again and saved and take heart jesus is king jesus rules and you be blessed in Jesus' name, amen.